0: Hey, good Friday morning to you. You know, you know what that means. It's the best day of the week. Get out the jack, whatever your favorite cocktail may be. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. I'm Joe Jake with CEO of the Patriot Trading Group and our toll-free number. Everybody, you, know, you already know it, right? You know it. 800-951-0592. Here's the thing about us. Unlike all these other uh, supposed dealers out there. You actually have to call us. We aren't calling you. So uh, you know what you need to do. You know what's coming. I've been telling you what's been coming for how long now. And now I'm telling you, you need to increase your holdings. You know, we want you. You still got to be diversified, right? You still, and, and I say that because you never know uh, what's going to happen tomorrow? right? We, we don't know. So, so you stay diversified, but it, the time uh, to increase that diversification uh, more heavily into gold and silver uh, as we watch all of these things. Of course, let's face it. You don't have to be that smart to figure it out. If I can figure it out, uh, everybody out there should be able to figure it out. Uh, I'm going to update you today on GE. Just fascinating stuff. I actually went home a little bit early yesterday so I could turn on the idiot box and I wanted to hear what they were saying about uh, Harry Markopolos' comments about General Electric running a fraud. And and I got exactly what I expected which was, you know, they, they didn't want to call him a liar. They didn't want to know they they labeled him as one of those evil doing short sellers. And which just makes me laugh, the guy's got an incredible track record. Put it this way his track record is way better than General Electric's. I mean, right, General Electric, the market cap of GE now is negligible. You know, and I know yesterday we were talking about hey, this is a bigger, bigger than WorldCom and uh, Enron put together. But this is how much money has been created. Think about it. what was WorldCom was what late nineties, right? Well, uh, Enron was was that two thousand one, two thousand two, something like that, right? I mean that just you know the last two decades, last twenty years, right? At one point. Because Enron or WorldCom was like one of the largest companies uh, in the world by market cap. General Electric is not that. right? General Electric, I mean, the, doesn't even really have that much weight on stocks anymore to begin with because it's such a poorly run company. But the fact that the dollar amount is so huge, but think about in 20 years this amount, double the size of Enron or WorldCom, and having it be, eh, you know, eh, it's okay. It's not not like it was a trillion dollars. It was only $80 billion, you know, and and, and so you just really understand. Really, it's another great example of why you want to have more hard assets. This is how much debt they've actually created that these numbers are seemingly insignificant. So now, we told you yesterday, the, the issues there were all in, well, not all, right? Uh, Marco Polis said, hey, listen, they got the oil and gas division got problems, but the big problem was long-term care. They didn't charge people enough. I mean, that's just really what it amounts to. They didn't charge people enough, and then, according to Marco Polis, they didn't buy enough insurance to cover like back, you know, in the nineties. They should have been buying, you know, and, and let's just say whether it was treasuries or or, or some form of bonds that, hey, when they matured, they would have more money. They didn't do it. So they totally missed the boat, according to Marco and they're suffering they're, they, it's gonna bankrupt the company. Stock got hammered yesterday. I, I have to tell you, One of my favorite guys that I tell you to listen to, Stanley Drunkenmiller, actually bought the stock. Now, of course, the guy bought it at the bottom. But the the stock has rebounded today because the CEO, and this is a guy, he's only been there like a year. So it's not like he's been the CEO for a long time. Uh, He actually came out and bought the stock uh, this morning. He bought uh, $2 million worth of company stock, Larry Culp. Uh, the CEO of General Electric, you know, I, I don't know. You know, you, you think about how much money these guys make, and two billion dollars doesn't sound like uh, a whole lot of money to me. Uh, yesterday, it was down thirteen percent. Finished down eleven. The stock's up nine today. So uh, everybody, apparently, uh, everybody's like, ah, he's just a short seller. Uh, don't worry about what he says, even though uh, he's been right on. Everything that he said has been a fraud is a fraud. So uh, just to let you know, that's the update on General Electric. We'll have to see. Remember when he reported it yesterday? Four months was how long it took WorldCom and Enron before they imploded when it got taken out. Uh, research analysts, of course, are obviously very critical of these guys that analyze the company, are also backing General Electric telling clients that while the analysis is, uh, they're still digesting it, okay? They're, you know, we're still digesting what he said. And they said that the research, though, still had significant shortcomings. So there you go. Uh, So enter at your own risk on General Electric. When we get back, Jay Powell's telling everyone to shut up. I'll tell you why. 800-951-0592. 800 Wow. Uh Wow. Just hitting the tape. Wednesday. Remember the Dow was down 800 points on Wednesday. President Trump held a call with the major bank CEOs. Now, I don't know if that's going to be tied to the story I'm going to talk about next with Jay Powell. Something may be up here. Something may be up here, uh, and I hope it's true. You know, and I may be taking a leap here, but uh, is the Federal Reserve getting ready to come to an end? Uh, We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I I think this is a critical, critical time uh, for the Federal Reserve, and we'll get to that in just a minute. One last thought on, on, uh, on GE, and then I'll leave it alone. Citigroup and Barclays are backing uh, General Electric. Bank of America, by the way, they are on the side of Marco Polis and said, hey, this is along the lines uh, on an ongoing investi- investigation by the Securities and Exchange Commission, the Department of Justice, existing shareholder lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Bank of America's lower. GE's price target to a dollar. Uh, so once that, that's bankruptcy uh, for GE. So uh, there you have it. Enough of that. Let's get into uh, what is being reported. Now, I've gotten it from two sources that Jay Powell has banned any more public appearances by members of the Federal Reserve. Appearances at conferences have been canceled. Now, the Federal Reserve, they go to these conferences like, like it's uh, uh, eating candy, right? They, they, they love to have these conferences, right, because this is where they go to the guys, you know, the big money guys, and tell them how great they are, right? It, it's part of the PR campaign. I mean, right? Hey, how do you make people feel good about yourself? I know. Let's have all these conferences, and we'll send all you guys out there, and you just go tell them how great we are. And that's what they do. Right? And here's what's so funny. Do you, you ever have a conference where regular people are at? Nope. Right? Hey, how about a conference uh, for regular people who make less than hundred grand a year? Let's have a conference for them. Uh-uh. No. We don't need you guys. You guys don't mean anything. We only really care about millionaires and billionaires. And even millionaires, you know, you got a million dollars. We don't care about you. right? So they have all the, they meet the Economic Club of New York and this conference and that conference, right? It's a PR campaign. It's brilliant. I, you know, I, I, I'm not mad about it. I'm jealous, right? I'm jealous. <laughs> it's a great idea. He's canceled them all. All scheduled interviews, right? And you know how they love to be on TV now. I mean, I mean, uh, who was it? I think it was Buller was just on the other day, just on the other day, talking about he had a pencil with a rate cut on it. <laughs> right, and everyone's like, "Dude, are you watching? Are you, are you an idiot? You better have more than one." Right, uh, you know, if you're gonna use a pencil analogy, I hope you got three or four of them. How about a pen? Right, maybe, you know, because you know what, pencil? hey, I can erase it. Yeah, well, you better be erasing it to make it bigger. But uh, all scheduled interviews, no more abandoning any comments on or off the record. And they do that a lot as well. They do the off the record. And then that's how they do unnamed sources unnamed sources within the central bank say everything's wonderful the unprecedented action a reflection of two pressures the growing economic indicators that this, that suggest the US is headed to a recession obviously the big move down you know 800 points on Wednesday they're making a big deal it's not that big of a deal listen when it's down 2000 points then we'll call it a big deal and I and it's possible to have those days now Obviously, President Trump, uh, who's been out every day and again, I, and I've been telling you guys day in and day out, Trump's telling you, by Michael, listen, I'm not going to doubt the guy. Right? If on Wednesday he's picking up the phone, calling banks, it's not like Wall Street was down 10%. I mean, what was it down? Three? Three percent? i got to get on the phone. But again, they have access to data that we don't. right? What do we get? We get seasonally adjusted stuff. right? We don't even know what the real numbers are. Sometimes we do, right? Sometimes we can get an unadjusted number. By and large, though, we don't. And now the, the fact that they're talking about uh, banning all public appearances uh, from the central bank, here we are. Like I said, we're mid-cycle, right? So we've still got another three-plus weeks before the next meeting. People are now starting to speculate, could we get a 50 basis point rate cut in September? It'd be very unusual to have a rate cut in September, but right now the odds are at like 97.5%. Normally in the old central bank, there's eight meetings a year. Now, of course, listen, they could have an emergency meeting anytime they want. Right? They could cut rates tomorrow if they wanted to. Right? Emergency meeting, we're right, cutting rates. Right? Nothing stopping them from doing it. But again, right, they want to give the illusion of how we've got all of this under control. Oh yeah, no, no, no. We, we we meet every 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 six weeks, and really we don't do anything on meetings where there's not a press conference. So four rate cuts in a year was kind of like the maximum. Now, they could have done a fifty basis point cut here or or a quarter point cut there, but normally the Fed would only do a rate move every other meeting because they wanted to have a press conference. Of course, Jay Powell's been blowing these conferences. Not every he doesn't blow everyone. But he kind of blows like, like every other one, right? Every other one, every third one. It's just a disaster, right? The July disaster. December disaster. But now starting this year. The Fed has a press conference after every meeting. And, of course, I told you then, when that got announced, they they get it. They have to move faster now. They can't wait 12, 12 weeks too long. <laughs> Come on, 12 weeks is nothing. Right? My, my son had shoulder surgery. Okay? 12 weeks, he, he, he was still not even, you know, he'd go to physical therapy. That was it, right? He wasn't uh, out there hitting people with his shoulder pads or lifting. He wasn't even lifting weights yet. 12 weeks is nothing. They can't wait that long. And and now uh, we're starting to see the bond market do funny things. And I'm more and more concerned about the levels of debt. I don't know if you saw the headline. Japan is now back as the largest holder of U.S. debt. The Chinese have been backing away from this market, and I've been telling you that. We've been talking about uh, bid to cover ratios at all time lows now. The fact that the central bank, you know, all of these uh, emergency measures, you know, we, the debt limits, when we hit these debt limits, so we went like five months where the Treasury was using accounting tricks to be able to sell enough debt. And if we had gone another month, they, they wouldn't have been able to, to, we would have been in default, essentially. So they passed that new debt limit, right? We got, hey, two. forget about a number, let's give just give them two years. And of course, how did they do it? By spending even more money. But now what they have to do on top of funding the deficits, right? So you think about it. Every month, hey, okay, there's another 120 billion more we got to sell on top of all the debt that that was rolling over, right? Now, and, and I've told you this story, right? We we sell, and, I, and I'm estimating here probably nine trillion a year, and every year that number keeps going up: nine trillion, ten trillion, twelve trillion. Even though the total debt you know we're approaching what 23 trillion. Not all of it's due at the same time. But now they also have to add in and replace all of the accounting tricks that the Treasury used over the last five months, which was hundreds of billions of dollars. Right? One of the things they they don't do, they don't put money into the military's pension. Right, that's one of the tricks they use, right? They don't put money here into the uh, whatever fund and this fund. They do all these things where they, they now they gotta okay, well, you know, for five months we didn't put any money into the government pension plans. Hey, we gotta put that money in there. Right, well, we got it. we gotta we gotta make good and and do all of those things. So now they've got on top of the regular stuff, they've got hundreds of billions of dollars of catch up. Money to issue, and this is where the problem lies. Because they're like, "Hey, we're barely, barely able to fund the regular stuff." Now, with you having to add hundreds of billions of dollars to it, right? We're having even more problems. Here's the thing, though: next year, we're adding hundreds. The deficit itself up twenty-seven percent from a year ago. How's that possible? I mean, right, we, we okay, we are, was it 3% GDP, not 3% GDP? Does not matter? The deficit rose 27%, not 2%, 27%. Next year, how much do you think it's going to rise? 27%. <laughs> I, I know about the debt limit, right? Hey, they're going to add $300 billion. I know that. It, it, and... As the economy continues to slow, right, that means less revenue. I mean, could it be 30% next year? I don't know. And this is; these are the things that are so, uh, very interesting that Jay Powell has issued a gag order, if it's true. Now, again, I saw it in two places. Uh, the one place was a source I did not know. The other place, Zero Hedge, is a source that I fully uh, have a lot of faith in. And they're saying that a ban has been put in place, that the central bankers that have a vote at the table are under a gag order. Uh, We'll see. I don't know if that's true or not, but that is what has been reported. And, And if that's so, I wonder what that means. If the president on Wednesday was talking to the CEOs of the banks, and then this story broke, this, this communique was issued Friday or Thursday by Jay Powell. Thursday, Thursday evening, reported this morning. Are those two things tied together? Now, we've had Steve Leesman in the last 30 days come out and question, is Jay Powell going to be the last Federal Reserve chairman? Then we had... Uh, one of the analysts asked a question is, when is somebody at these press conferences? When is a reporter going to ask Jay Powell, is he going to be the last head of the Federal Reserve? Very interesting. Uh, I I don't know how quickly this thing is moving, but it sounds like it's moving a lot faster than even I thought. Uh, And I sit there, and, of course, I've told you, for a while now, listen, we're going to go on electronic currency. I just That's just what it's going to be, right? There's going to be no hiding, right? We want everybody to do everything electronically because, well, we're broke and we need the money. And if we need to really go get the money, where do you think they'd go? Your 401k, your IRA, heaven forbid, your own bank account. Picture Radio News Hour halftime on a Friday. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, and we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly.
1: In traveling around to college campuses, I have found that many students were never taught much history. This week, I'm going to give you a short list of books that may fill in some of the gaps in your knowledge of history. One very helpful book is called The Politically Incorrect Guide to Western Civilization by Anthony Esselon. He explains how our political machinery, rooted in the history of Greece and Rome, evolved into the best system on Earth. He compellingly presents the case for Christianity's crucial role in placing the God-fearing individual at the center of the moral order. After reading this book, you will never again feel the need to apologize for Western civilization. Another book is called Human Accomplishment, 800 B.C. to 1950 by Charles Murray, It's a tremendous tribute to Western civilization and a rebuke to those who de-emphasize the so-called dead white European males. They were the very ones who contributed massively to the arts and sciences. Charles Murray analyzes the resilience of accomplishment under adverse conditions such as war and the plague, and he describes U.S. accomplishment. Why did Western Europe predominate? and not Asia, Russia, or the Arab world, all of which did make valuable contributions. Murray's answer turns out to be Christianity. Another book that reinforces this analysis is The Victory of Reason, How Christianity Led to Freedom, Capitalism, and Western Success by Rodney Stark. Many authors have presented the thesis that capitalism is the engine of the West's progress. This author makes a strong case that Christian theology was what made capitalism possible and provided the framework for Western science. And it is science, above all, that led, finally, to the supremacy of the West.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you have a college-bound son or daughter? Do you care about the next generation? At PhyllisSchlafly.com, we expose the liberal agenda and anti Christian mindset found on most college campuses and help equip conservative students to stand up for their beliefs. Visit us at PhyllisSchlafly.com and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 800 9510592, Pedro Radio News Hour. Add to your holdings. putting it away uh, as we continue to watch. I mean, unprecedented things. So uh, just got uh, some detail behind the call. J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, and Citigroup were the three banks. Uh, Wells Fargo Fargo wasn't invited to the meeting. Those were the three banks. And I'm just wondering, you know, because obviously banking stocks under huge, huge pressure because they can't make money. With interest rates in a bond market this flat, and and there's no room for them to be making money. If he's trying to gather consensus on doing, making some changes to the central bank, we'll wait and see. Uh, way too early to tell. I'm probably getting ahead of myself. Uh, but you know, this is kind of where things are taken. Taking me to so we'll keep watching and monitoring uh what is happening out in the marketplace uh twenty dollar libs and saints at 15.50 today you know gold's just hanging around a little bit of profit not much uh gold's down eight bucks 15.11 15.12 uh silver's down like eight cents funny a lot. I've seen a lot of that lately. Uh, you know, uh, gold will be up ten bucks. Silver's up ten cents. Gold's up twenty bucks. Silver's up twenty cents. Uh, gold's down ten bucks. Uh, silver's down ten cents. Uh, Seventeen eleven on silver. Fifteen hundred eleven on gold. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. I'm going to give you a little teaser. Monday. Look, look for something Monday. Don't miss Monday's show. I may have something super, super, super excited. Now that I've said it, I probably totally jinxed myself, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting for something. For And it's a silver item, not a gold item, but I'm waiting for something. Uh, it's supposed to be here sometime today if it's what I think it is. And it may not be, but if it is, make sure you're listening Monday and, and be ready. Uh, today, though, add some gold. Keep adding your gold. You know, super, super affordable. You know, $40 over spot, uh, $39 over spot, $38 over spot. Can't beat it. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. The best news today is there's not a lot of news today. Uh, so that's kind of the, the rally, and everybody's happy because the CEO of General Electric, Uh, Bought $2 billion worth of his company stock. Uh, My only comment to that is that's it. Oh, John Deere today. Really interesting. Missed earnings badly, right? So Deere had... and uh, You know, no one's surprised by that, right? Now, they've been lowering guidance and lowering guidance, but normally they lower guidance so they can beat the earnings per share. They actually... Uh, didn't beat. Matter of fact, wasn't even close. They were expecting two dollars and eighty-five cents a share. Came in at two seventy-one a share, so a big miss. Revenue was also uh, lower than expected. Expected nine point four billion came in at eight point nine billion. Also lowered guidance again, saying it's it's now down to a four percent increase in dollar sales. Not an actual, hey, we're selling 4% more combines. No, no. it's not what they're saying. Hey, our combines are a lot more expensive, so sales are going to be a little higher. Uh, uh, 4% increase, third quarter results, uh, a high degree of uncertainty according to John Deere. Here was the funny part. So normally a company comes out, if they miss earnings and revenue and lower guidance, the stock would be lower. Uh, stock's actually up on the news. Uh, so uh, you never know. Uh, so that was the only big earnings report out. Housing starts. Housing starts were out today uh, much lower than expected. So even with, you know, the mortgage rates are significantly lower than, than where they were, uh, you know, a year ago. Uh, but yet the home builders. Uh, not not really building on the housing starts. Uh, rentals, uh, still a big thing. And then uh, University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment. Uh, this is one of their favorite numbers. I don't love the survey stuff. You know that. Right? Because all the questions are misleading. But, but neither here nor there. Uh, slump to 92. July's reading was 98 and a half. That's that's big in this in this type of a survey, missing all forecast expectations. Uh, the current uh, conditions. So well, they asked a, a couple of. Hey, how do you feel right now? How do you feel about today? That one dropped. Uh, the, the current conditions fell to one oh seven. Well, expectations. Hey, how are you feeling about the future? That one really... Hey, I'm okay right now. I don't like what I see in the future. Down to 82.3. By the way, both of those, the current conditions and future conditions were the lowest readings of the year and are the weakest. You'd have to go before Donald Trump even got elected. So these are now... Well, we've taken out what I guess is the, the Trump... Uh, be pre-Trump, you know, ever since Trump come in, we've had great expectations. Now below that, uh, they're reacting to tariffs, they're reacting to Wall Street, uh, and also Americans uh, following the Federal Reserve's first interest rate cut, right, re- reacting to hey, you know what, my banks weren't really paying me very much, if any interest at all, and now they're taking that away. So there you have it on consumer sentiment. Usually, Wall Street hates that call. Uh, But today, like I said, the big news was uh, no big move on China's currency, no big move in Hong Kong, no big move in the trade war. And so that kind of made everyone, you know, hey, (sighs) been a long week, tough week. Uh, so, Wall Street here, some buying on the dips here on Wall Street, a little profit-taking in the gold and silver markets. Uh, and, again, normally, you know what, like these things, you do it doesn't happen uh, very often. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the weather, right? Like in Colorado, here in Arizona, the weather, it's going to be hot and sunny. You're, you're probably right, 98% of the time. But you go to, like, Colorado, like Syracuse, we always used to say, hey, wait five minutes, and uh, the – the weather's going to change that's kind of how the wall street is anymore hey wait 5 minutes you don't know what the next headline's going to be when we get back we're going to talk about the farmer and how much debt we're talking about the average farm debt and, and some of those things uh, just if you know a farmer right this one dude, i think they're doing uh, true American work here. They're taking it in the shorts, uh, but you don't hear them complaining. You know that they're like, "Hey, we got to do this. We got to win this war uh, with the Chinese." Uh, so that's coming up next. Don't touch that up. To, uh Michael Snyder. The end of the American Dream blog. Uh, if you're uh, he, he's, a, he's a really good writer. Uh, check it out. He, he blogs about you know what what's happened uh, to the American dream for, for so many middle class or what used to be middle class and And really now what does middle class really mean? Mo- most, most middle class now means paycheck to paycheck uh, and juggling debt right That's kind of the new middle class. Uh, talking about farmers leading up to this year. Farm incomes have been trending lower for most of the past decade. I didn't know that. Meanwhile, farm debt levels, along with everybody else, this is everybody, debt levels have exploded upward. U.S. farms were desperate for a really good year this year, but instead it's been a total disaster. I've been documenting, due to endless rain and catastrophic flooding, Millions of acres of prime prime farmland didn't get pr- planted at all this year, right? Talking about it there in the Midwest, and then when you look at yields of other farms that did plant, the yields have been very low, right? Hey, yeah, it was wet, right? And I had some bad conditions, but at least I got a, at least I was able to get a crop in. Uh, but you know, even that, even then. It's not like I had a bumper crop, and they're saying that farming now facing the worst crisis uh, in modern American history. And I wonder, you know, what are we going to bring back? Farm? Remember Farm Aid, right? Willie Nelson, he ain't dead yet. Let's get Willie Nelson and John Cougar Mellencamp, and well, I guess it's just John Mellencamp now. Get all those guys, dust them off. Uh, we can do another Farm Aid. The latest numbers show that the average U.S. farm. Is one point three million dollars in debt? Wow! You know, I you know to be a farmer today, I mean, you gotta own acreage, right? You gotta you gotta have a lot of land, and and you know these common look at deer, right? Hey, our sales keep falling. Our dollar dollar wise, we're fine. Sales keep falling, but these things, the, the equipment cost a fortune. Uh, farming in the twenty first uh, century. Has become an extraordinarily risky business. Countless U.S. farmers were already on the verge of going un- under before 2019, of course, and we, we've documented this: farm bankruptcies uh, skyrocketing all over the place, and 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 again, uh, all of these factors. And it really was happening before too. This is the biggest thing. It wasn't just, the trade war didn't help, right? And of course, it's not really a trade war. China doesn't help. But don't be fooled. The, the the farmer and the rest of us, the path was the same. Right? We we've been in a a gradual decline. Now think about o seven, oh eight, oh nine, right? When when the economy blew up, right? A lot of people hit rock bottom. And today, those same people—they're doing better. My friends are doing better. One of them has bought a home. One, and I and I know at, at least a dozen uh, couples that lost their homes. One of them has bought a home. The rest are still renting, and they're they're back to kind of the hey, I'm making enough money to pay my bills but that's really about it right and this is kind of the the thing where I think a lot of people were, hey I'm making almost enough money to pay my bills right hey I don't have a house to refinance to get a lower payment right hey I don't have a house to dip into to get some cash to pay these debts off And so I've been racking up the credit card debt here or racking it up there or maybe not. But, hey, guess what? My car got old. I needed a new one. All of a sudden, that payment, it's $200 a month more. My lease was up at my house, and the owner said, hey, I'm going to put it on the market. So I had to go rent another house. And all of a sudden, the same house, right?, three bedroom, two bath, whatever it may be, same, same square footage, same area, four or $500 a month more, right, and all of a sudden, everybody's kind of like, man, I'm still making the same amount of money, right, I'm making six grand a month, eight grand a month, ten grand a month, I can't make it. I can't make it right, and we're now we're starting to see what we're seeing bankruptcy starting to climb, we're seeing auto loan defaults starting to climb, credit card defaults starting to climb, right? All these similar situations, and we're getting the same stuff out of Wall Street. Nobody sees anything, and I love everybody. Oh, the rest of the world slowing down. We're slowing down, right? GDP last year Q2 was four two. It was 2-1. GDP right now, everyone for third quarter GDP, 2%. That's the number. That's what everyone, everyone eh, somewhere around 2%. So last year we did what? 4-2 and 3-4. This year we're going to do, let's just say 2-1 one, and 1-9. One, so that way, you know, rounded up, you know, hey, we averaged about 2% this year. Last year we averaged, you know, three seven five. We're slowing down as well. And this is kind of what's happening as we slow down. Right? As we slow down, the ones that were on the fringe start falling off. It's not because they don't have a job. But it's because, hey, you know what? I'm I'm falling behind a little bit every month, a little bit every month, a little bit every month. And then all of a sudden, guess what? Boom. I fell off. I fell off the cliff. Final segment on a Friday. When we get back, we're going to talk about the reasons they told you not to own gold. Don't touch that dot. 800 9510592 So funny, on our website today at allamericangold.com, a great commentary about Harry Dent. And uh, I cannot tell you how many phone calls I got about Harry Dent. Uh, you know, golds going to four hundred and all this stuff. And, and of course, and I tell everybody the guy's a terrible analyst. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I haven't done it. I'm not bashing him. Go out to our website, read it for yourself. Uh, and and uh, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, for those of you who don't, it doesn't really matter. You know. When I first started learning about gold, I was older. Didn't really, you know, I knew what gold was, gold jewelry, and I knew that gold had intrinsic value as a child. But it wasn't until the 90s. You know, I was already uh, in my 20s, head into my 30s, uh, when I met my wife Sarah that's how I met you know uh, Eric for those of you who remember my uncle he's actually my wife's uncle so he's not my blood uncle but he's the one that started talking to me about gold and I've always been a newsy guy, always and uh, started, you know, like I tell all of you to do, do your own research and as I started getting into this remember the Gold doesn't pay interest, right? You heard it a billion times. Oh, it's terrible! It doesn't pay interest, right? They fast forward to today, right? What is it? I don't even know what the number—fifteen, 16 trillion and negative yield, debt out there. They uh, nobody pays interest. Your bank doesn't pay you interest, right? But in a lot of cases now, right? You got to pay them. For the right for you to borrow or for them to borrow your money, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. And I, like I said, this makes no economic sense, and you know it. You know it. You know it's ridiculous. Ten-year note. you see the ten-year note? Uh, we got down to the, into the high one fours yesterday. It's one five five, almost a new all-time record low. The 30-year note now doesn't even yield 2%. Germany, negative 75 basis points. France, negative 50. Switzerland's negative. Denmark's negative. Even Spain is at zero. Japan is negative, right? All And, and uh, the UK is, what, uh, not even a half a percent. Not even a half of a percent. And then you had Alan Greenspan yesterday said, ah, Zero is just a number. It doesn't mean anything. He was talking about yields. Right? Apparently, yields meant something when gold didn't pay interest. But apparently, it doesn't mean anything at all when bonds don't pay it. You know that's not true. Right? So when you sit there and you think about why do you hold it? It's a hedge. What is it a hedge for? We live in the United States. It's a hedge against the dollar, right? What, what's the dollar, right? What, what, what is the dollar? The dollar's a debt currency. The bond market is telling you, hey, this dollar isn't worth the paper it's printed on. It doesn't even pay interest. Matter of fact, according to Alan Greenspan, get ready to start being charged. Provide U.S. debt. U.S. 20s at 1550, 800